0: We're delighted to have Fran Giaquinto with us today. Uh, Fran hails from Fecal and she is a biodiversity, I'll put her down as an expert, but given that it is National Biodiversity Week and tomorrow is International Biodiversity Day, we wanted to bring Fran in just to talk to us about the work she's been doing in East Clare with communities to help protect and I suppose nurture
1: the biodiversity that we
0: have. So Fran,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you very much and good morning everyone and, uh, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak. So I've been living in Fecal for the last 16 years. I'm a chartered environmentalist specialising in biodiversity and I'm pleased to talk about it today.
0: Yeah that's great. Now I had the great fortune of actually hearing you speak at Agonilo working with the Oganlo community on developing biodiversity I suppose kind of areas how we can do mm. more to connect and even understanding the species of biodiversity mm. that we have in the area but you've been doing a lot of work with communities in East Clare so can you talk to us a little bit about that
1: Yes I mean first of all perhaps I could just say what biodiversity is. That would be fantastic yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. You. Um, because you know it, it's a term that's bandied around a huge amount and it's on the tips of everybody's lips and, and you know if you're not quite sure what it really means then really join 98% of the rest of the human race because it's an incredibly complex term Um, so it was a term that was coined at the Earth Summit in 1992 in Brazil and it means three things it means all the species and types of organisms on the planet but it's not just that it also means all their homes and environments and all the interactions and relationships that one organism will form with another so it's this whole piece and one of the best ways of um, kind of visualising biodiversity as if it was like a huge jigsaw where each component, each little jigsaw part fits in one with another and all makes an essential to form the whole. You know, another way of looking at it is like the engine of life. It's uh, this kind of huge, finely tuned engine. It's like a Porsche engine. And every single component part is essential so that's really the meaning of biodiversity and you know many people will think okay you know doesn't matter if we lose a few butterfly species or anything of that sort but in fact Biodiversity really matters, and it really matters to humans. We can't survive without it. And one of the best ways of explaining why is the economists have come up with this term, ecosystem services. And ecosystem services means all the benefits that we as humans freely gain from nature. And if we think back to it, we're thinking all our food comes from nature. It comes from biodiversity. All our fuel, our coal, our gas, our, our coal, our coal, our gas, our, our um, wood, comes from nature. All our medicines come from nature. And those are the kind of provisioning services. And then biodiversity also plays this essential role in regulating the Earth's functions. And if we lose our biodiversity, beyond a certain threshold, we as humans won't be able to survive. So it's absolutely critical that we do everything we can to protect it.
0: Yeah, because I know when I was actually on the show last month and talking about food security, Mm. and just all of that element about how we actually need all of the insects to mm. pollinate mm. to so that the fruit and the vegetables can actually grow and, mm. you know, how it all kind of ties in even in terms of how we actually benefit from getting, say, rotted manure from mm. livestock farmers mm. to actually help fertilise the ground mm. to actually grow the food that we'd actually want to eat so that mm. there's so much and, again, many people may have noticed that there is a reduction in certain types of birds, certain types of insects, mm. wildlife, you know, whereas there might have been a lot more many years mm. ago. So, in terms of the work you've been doing now in East Clare, can you talk us through a bit about that? What has been the focus? Yes,
1: OK. So um, the community has been working with, um, w- was primarily last year, and that was with Ogonolo, um, Kilkishan, um, Kapalaheen, and a smaller work, small amount of work with Scarif. And most of this work was done through um, a leader-funded programme. We did a big training programme last year, which was hosted by uh, Clare Local Development Company, where we worked with 25 communities across Claire and um, so there was a sort of a big training element teaching people about biodiversity and what it really means in practice and then going out to each community and helping them develop a biodiversity plan but in that one of I suppose the two things that really came out as important was one is education Mm. and raising awareness really helping people understand what biodiversity means in practice and it's not a simple subject you know it's mm. it's there's no one prescription fits all every small piece of green grass Hazard, you know, can be treated differently depending on what's living there. So that was a very important piece, education and raising awareness. And the other pit was actually just looking at grassland, because grassland is our dominant habitat in, yeah. in Ireland. So we spent a lot of time looking at grassland. And you know, one of the really interesting things in terms of climate change, biodiversity and climate change are incredibly closely intertwined. And grassland it's not just made up of grass you know Mm. people think grassland is just grass well it's there are over a hundred species of of grass in 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 Ireland and then when we're looking at a green our green lawns or our green fields it's made up of a community of organisms Mm. and this is the really important thing to know is that biodiversity works as a community and this is the jigsaw this is all the component parts fitting together so you have in any piece of green area green space um you'll have a you'll have a combination of grass species and then everything that's not a grass or a rush or a sedge which we call the forbes and that includes things like the wildflowers mm. and that community um you know phoebe o'brien is one of our local um, botanists and she you knows she'd be one of the top botanists in the country and she can go and look at an area of grassland And she can read it like the back of her hand. She can tell you its history, its land management practices, the underlying geology, you know, and and just from the community of species that are living within it. Um, Mm. Now, when we have the important thing to know here is say we're looking at an old meadow or we're looking at a field which has been reseeded with rye grass or we're looking at our lawn, If we have a lot of biodiversity contained, if that jigsaw is intact and we have all that biodiversity living alongside each other, functioning really healthily, it stores carbon. Mm. It acts as a carbon sink. But when we have... um, you know, land that's been degraded where, say, grass has been treated with herbicide or it's got lots of bare soil, or the bare soil is, or the soil has become very degraded, then it can't store the, it can't store carbon, because all the carbon is stored in living biodiversity. It's stored in all the bodies of plants and, and microorganisms and the little critters and the small mammals. And once that becomes degraded, it can't hold it, it's it, It's like a sponge that dries out. And then it starts releasing carbon. Okay. So one of the best things that we can do if we really want to help biodiversity and we want to help slow the pace of climate change, and we also want to kind of have, you know, flourishing, healthy communities, We want to do everything we can to increase the natural and native biodiversity in our green spaces because then it will start to act like this giant sponge storing carbon again.
0: And then I suppose because obviously we've got a mix of farmland Mm. but we also have gardens so what can people actually do because... One of the things is at the moment it's May and there's all this big thing of no mow May. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, even when you had given the talk to the Ogonolo community as well, is that it's not necessarily just a just don't mow anything or just scatter (coughs) a few wildflower seeds. What can people actually do in terms of better lawn management? How can they actually encourage wildflowers to actually come through in their garden? And what can they do to really, I suppose, contribute what they can even to carbon sinks as well within their own small space?
1: Um, well it's it's I wish there was a simple yes. again, you know it really is it's very complex. um, and it really depends on the community of organisms that are living there. Mm. You know, so some will some will benefit from longer if it's kept longer and some will benefit if it's kept shorter. But you know one of the one of the if you're in doubt, think back to what your grandparents did mm. with traditional farming practices with those those old meadows, they would have lightly grazed in the winter. So they would have their cattle um, grazing lightly over the winter, and then they would have cut for hay in the summer. Mm. And if you can kind of keep to that, so, you know, there's there's different groups of, of, of species, all of which have a lot of value, which will occur in grassland that's kept short. And then sometimes if that grass is allowed to grow longer, it becomes valuable for overwintering insects. But if you imagine that once, once grass becomes very long, and you, don't, and you don't manage it, mm, you know, because you've mm. been told not to mow it. And then you might start to get things like docks coming in and nettles and brambles, and it all becomes a bit kind of chaotic and, a, and sort of, you know... And then just imagine a little wildflower trying to grow through, through it. That, yeah. And it's going to become very difficult. So, you know, Phoebe always says that one of the best things to do is to kind of, if you're in doubt, you want to kind of keep the average height of your grassland vegetation somewhere between about 12, 14 and 40 centimetres. Okay. Above 40 centimetres is too high, everything is going to become too vigorous, and below it it becomes too tight and nothing can grow, flower and set seed. Mm. But within that there's lots of variations. Because I know
0: one of the things that I had heard before excuse me what I'd heard before was that long grass gives opportunity for things like hedgehogs for different insects and everything to kind of have a bit of a home and kind of help them as they may have their own offspring as well growing and developing so in that sense of yes we want to actually keep the, the grass maybe no more than 40 centimetres what more can we do even for the wildlife that may be coming through our garden
1: okay well yes I mean um Again, there's so much, and it really depends on on what's growing there in the first place, what kind of grass species you've got, what kind of wildflower species you've got, whether the soil is very nutrient-rich, which will make everything very vigorous, or whether the soil is quite poor, in which case you're actually going to encourage a lot more um, 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 interesting variety of species, because nothing will be quite so vigorous. But there are some really key, key, key things here if you want to help protect wildlife. One is one of the big problems. And, and the Navan Animal Rescue Centre um, has, has put out um, something on the radio about this a few months ago. When you have a lot of uh, long grass or a lot of vegetation and in the spring and you go in streaming, the chances are there could be hedgehogs and small mammals sheltering in that long vegetation so whenever you go cutting long vegetation walk through it first mm. you know banging mm-hmm. a pot or making a noise so that it gives a chance for those small creatures to escape before you go through with your strimmer and actually the Navin Hospital has been um, reporting the most terrible injuries to hedgehogs yes. which have been caught in strimmers so mm-hmm. that's one thing the other thing is absolutely adhere to the, the, um, the hedge cutting ban between March and October, just last week in Ogonolo, I saw on the edge of the, of the main road towards um, Killaloo I saw hedge cutters mm. you know, and they 're going to be destroying birds' nests, they may be killing killing birds, they may be killing all the wildlife, mm. and it was in a completely unnecessary area, so please be mindful. The other thing is if you have big piles of brush, don't burn them you know, at this time of year on a warm, sunny day when there's probably going to be birds nesting in there. Wait until after the nesting season. Okay. You know, and then, you know, one of the things that I that really struck me is, is, is there was some lovely bit of research done um, at, in Kew, um, during the lockdown, was you know, that when, the Millennium Seed Bank? Yes. In yes. Cuba, well, Uruguay. no. This was yeah. the this was the research done with the um, with the uh, at the first lockdown when okay, everything yes. really locked down. Yeah. You know, when the whole planet locked down, and they measured the, the seismologists, which measure the vibrations of the Earth. That's not just volcanic activity, but it's the total vibrations of the Earth. They showed that during that first lockdown, um, the Earth's vibrations, the Earth seismic activity went down 60%. Wow. You know. And the thing is, the whole of the earth became quieter. And then... Wildlife can flourish. The birds could start to hear each other singing, so they could start mating more easily. The bats, which um, communicate and, and travel by um, echolocation, mm. they could start to move more easily. The whales in the oceans, they, they they could start to hear each other again. You know, so actually, one of the best things that we can do for biodiversity is if if is is just to get quieter. Mm. You know, is just to be considerate, especially at this time of year where birds and, and small mammals are incredibly affected by noise. Yeah. So just be mindful when you're out and about. You know, do you really need to use the streamer on a warm sunny day? Do you really need to be shouting and having your 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 radio on loud and, and, and all the rest of it, you know. Just get quieter. And I think that was one of the things that it was very unusual then when you heard an aeroplane. Yes. after the first yes. lockdown
0: it was like wow things yeah. have been so quiet and so calm that it may have been quite hard for many people at the time but it also was very beneficial just to yeah. have that kind of slow, yeah. slower pace and yeah. unfortunately I think we're speeding back up but it would be nice if we could actually just have that kind of quiet time again. Yeah. One of the other things that I wanted to ask you as well is in terms of wildflower meadows and it's there's a lot of focus on people should, now one of my pet hates are seed bombs, absolutely despise them because I just think that mm-hmm. it's a waste of seed and the seed Seed gets caught into the clay, doesn't get a chance to properly grow. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of PR about growing wildflower meadows, getting wildflower seeds. What are your What's your recommendation in terms of
1: really allowing the natural wildflowers in your garden to grow? Yeah. Well, in terms of creating wildflower meadows, I would say absolutely don't. Okay. How you come? come? Don't go um, don't go. Um, you know, one of the one of the approaches to develop you know, it it has it's all been part of this kind of thing of increasing biodiversity is create your new wildflower meadow. And what people do is one of the suggestions has been that you, you go into a, a field, an area of green space where there's grass, you know, and and, and, and you go and spray herbicide on it mm. to, to kind of get rid of all the vegetation that has been there and then you go and sow your wildflowers. Well, ninety nine percent of the wildflower seeds is 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 not particularly you know it's not if you think back to that meaning of community you know you don't get a community of wildflowers and organisms in a packet of seeds yeah so, and also, what happened? A lot of this wildflower seed from the some of the kind of you know the the, the supermarkets and places like that. It's not even native. Mm, yes. And in fact, a lot of the seed that you'll get is annual, so it'll only grow this year. It'll set flower. It'll flower. It'll set seed, and then it won't come back. And then you'll be left with a whole bare patch where where the docks and the things can come back in. So, don't don't consider growing of trying to establish a wildflower meadow from scratch you know in in east clare and in county clare in general we have an incredible diversity of grassland we have an incredible diversity of species yeah. still present so the first and most important thing to do is find out what you have and
0: how do people do that
1: so, well, I think first of all one of the really there's really good things to do is go onto the biodiversityisland.ie website. It's probably one of the best resources in the whole of Europe, it's, you can find out all the species that are growing in your local area, you can find out lots of information about all the species that are, that are growing, you know they have a whole kind of information about different bat species, different flower species, it's a huge database, you can join one of the national monitoring schemes. Oh yes, you know, and that's through the National Biodiversity yeah, Data that, Centre. Yeah, yes, and yeah. you find them all on biodiversityisland.ie. Um, you can do the the timed insect flower count, which is really simple. It's great fun to do with children. You can learn a load about flowers. You can do butterfly transects. You can look for the tawny mining bee. Look, you can look for the the native honeybees. There's all so- sorts of national programs, which can be tremendously beneficial, particularly for children, mm. because when you're When you're observing wildlife, when you're looking closely you can start. You start developing skills in observation, in patience, in discrimination. Mm. You know, and you start to build these skills, and you can start to recognise things that are living and growing around you, and that has an extraordinary kind of effect of increasing the level of care. You know, when you, I used to kind of walk the same five miles every morning. Yes. You know, and I'd be walking along, and at all times of year, I'd be able to. Oh, you know, hello Marsh thank Foil, hello yeah. Dandelion, hello Valerian. And I'd know where they were living and I'd be able to watch them. And it was like sort of walking past my friends every morning, hmm. you know. And, and for children who develop um, an interest in this... It, it's their life skills, yes. their skills for life. So I really encourage you to all become citizen scientists. The other thing I would really encourage you to do for learning is to is to look up Phoebe O'Brien. Phoebe O'Brien, botanist, is her Instagram page. And it's absolutely delightful. Not only is she, she's a really good teacher, not only is she teaching you about how to identify different species, and she has this wonderful way of comparing species that look alike. Okay, and yes. she Showing you how to distinguish the difference, but also she'll tell you all sorts of things about how to, um, what you can what you can do with them, you know how what how you can make things with them, and and she has this lovely way of making these kind of little kind of bee hotels from 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 natural kind of stalks of things like angelica or native angelica and native hogweed. So there's all kinds of things that in mm. that Instagram page. Um, and then the other thing I would really encourage you to do is to um, is to go out and observe of and just, and just watch. And then to encourage kind of organisations like CLDC, Clare Local Development Company, to run more training programmes. So we can all learn the practical skills. But please um, don't go starting wildflower meadows from scratch. Learn what you have, you know, because there's, you might find that you have bee orchids in your back garden. Mm. You know, Phoebe was saying to me the other day that she'd gone to a house in Ennis and they had bee orchids in the back garden, you know, and, and you don't get... Back much better than that in terms of biodiversity so those would be my suggestions well
0: thank you so much because I think like having you know we have Gillian from Irish Seed Savers Mm. coming in next and like she will be able to talk about the plant share that they have but Mm. I know from having worked in Seed Savers like the wealth of biodiversity Mm. and wildlife that's there but even to look at what kind of courses are nearby what's happening I know this weekend that we'd read out in the news earlier in this show is uh, like Seed Savers have like they have a scything course on today Mm they have other courses on and then like that there's other there's bird watching courses so there's so many different organizations and different things that are available even within Clare that people can actually help inform themselves to help kind of understand what biodiversity we have in the area as well and then like that what can we actually do with even in our own small space because we as you say we've got so much grassland and I'm even aware with farmers like the consideration that they have with regard to multi species and what yeah. they have to think about in terms of ensuring that they have the right mix for mm. their livestock, also oh, like yeah. for cutting for the hay, but what we can all do to actually help, as you say, community. It's not just about the community of the
1: insects, but the community around us for each other, yeah. what we can do ourselves. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things, you know, if we, if we, if we want, if, if as humans... We want to learn about what makes a healthy and well-functioning community. We just need to look at nature. Yes. We just need to look at nature. The complexity and the intimacy and the intricacy of all those interactions that nature forms, you know, with with the small mammals, the plants, the insects, the microorganisms. Um, It is truly an extraordinary thing. Mm. And uh, that's where we can learn you know so yes great. thank
0: you well Franja quinto thank you so much for your time really appreciate it and again for anybody that may um connect in with their local community to find out what biodiversity actions they're undertaking mm. and what training could be possible maybe through the cldc but for now thank you so much for your time and we look forward to maybe hearing from you in the future again thank you very much thank you